Super Talk Mississippi media production. Hi, this is Dr. Andy Barlow with the Chiropractic Physician Center of Tupelo and author of the number one best-selling book, The Code Breaker. Are you sick and tired of being sick and tired? Then call my office at 662-844-1414 and order my new book, The Code Breaker. He's the former president and publisher of the Sun-Herald, and now he's on the radio. Welcome to Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome to Coast View, the show that every single day celebrates the men and women who are making Coast of Mississippi such a great place to live, work, and play. We've had such a great string of shows and wonderful guests coming up in the in the near future. So excited about where the show is and the incredible people, the dedicated people that we continue to have wonderful conversations with. Last week, we had a live remote, uh, kind of a, a rare live remote from uh, from Gulfport High. We're exci- really excited about that. And um, we we talked a lot about what's happening at, with the with the uh, Gulfport schools, and Gerard had his show there as well. Went through the went to the state wide audience. We had uh, you know, of course, Super Talk TV was engaged, and we did a live remote for Coastview there. Really exciting. But we didn't have we didn't have Glenn East. Glenn East was off doing some important uh, work for the for the school. We'll, we'll hear more about that here in just a second. Thought we would circle back and talk to Glenn a little bit about some of the challenges that they're facing today. And, uh, you know, I've got a lot of questions about, you know, just essentially continuation of conversations he and I have had in the past. Without any further ado, let me welcome the superintendent of Gulfport Schools to uh, to Coastview. How you doing, Glenn? Good morning. Good to see you. Sorry I missed you last week. Yeah, man, no no problem at all. And I'm glad we get to circle back and have a conversation. Um, so what were you up to? You were you were off doing some important work. Well, I was. our state school board meeting was last Thursday, so we were looking at uh, testing data and achievement data and all those things that help the State Department of Education run and uh, take care of the children of the whole state. You know, one of the things you're talking about is testing, man. Testing is so critical for you guys these days. Um, in the in the wake of COVID and understanding sort of where all the students are and with the learning curve, given that so many of them were learning remotely, and then you got them back into the school, and some were some were in the school, and some were remote, and now obviously they're back at school again. But you were able to through your testing to really kind of understand exactly what the benchmarks of learning were. Uh, when you had na- analyzed that, you had already expressed, I think, the last time you and I talked, that there may be a couple of grades that were having some challenges. Um, and you'll have to figure out how to get them back up to speed and whatever. Uh, what's the current status of that? So in our, in our testing data this year, we know uh, based on our school stuff and then what we're beginning to see from the state, we still have that issue. And you're right, you and I talked about it last year with our with our seventh and eighth graders and then our ninth graders last year who moved up from middle school. If you recall, that was a group that was virtual the most because parents had that choice. And so we've got a We've got a couple of spots. We're not looking like Gulfport really should look. So we've got this year again, and thank goodness for our school calendar, the way it's going to work, to be able to catch those students up. So it's going to, as we talked about it in the past, probably going to take us two years, maybe three. So with this group of students coming from the middle school to the high school, so right now it's really seventh, eighth, and then the ninth graders last uh, last year, we've got some work to do, especially to catch them up in some in the science world uh, and, and then some, in the math world. Um, 
excuse me, the science world and U.S. history world, math and English are kind of back the way we were. That's probably also a little bit of us. We focused on that math and English portion the most. And so I don't want to say science and history took a backseat, but I guarantee you that our time was spent on making sure we could read, write, and, and do that, you know, the, the three R's there, reading, writing, and arithmetic. So uh, yeah. we had to do some work in science and in U.S. history. Well, when you talked about the calendar, for people who are not aware, um, what you're referring to is the year-round process that you guys are going through today. Remind people what that's all about and why these breaks are important to you in terms of catching you know, students up. So what we have is, is we have nine weeks on of, of, of teaching, and then we have the two-week intercession. And during that time, we have enrichment camps, we have outside athletic camps. But the most important piece is, is we have this academic piece where we're trying to catch students as quickly as possible who may be falling behind. So let's, let's take the scenario of that sixth, seventh, and eighth grade, and then the ninth grade. So that little group, those three grades that are moving through after COVID, this helps us that we'll have nine weeks of school. We're, we're doing our DCAs, our midterm tests right now. Uh, and then we'll have that time to say, okay, we know we still have a struggle with 25 to 30% of our kids in those three grades right now. So we pull them in during that intercession, see what skills they've missed using the state test data. We know what skills they've missed. And we get that face-to-face -face instruction again uh, coming into this school year and then in the intercession. So we're able to help catch them up. And the kids have done well. They've done, they've gone from where they were from virtual to where we were last year. But then this year, we've got to make sure we get that last hurdle out of the way. So we're back to what I call normal, uh, if there's such a word like that anymore. <laughs> yeah, I know. Because things are constantly changing. But when you compare the experience you had, especially with those groups coming into high school during those really tighter months of COVID, uh, do you find that that it's comparable to what you're seeing in other other school districts across the state? I think so. I think I, I will say that those school districts that got back to face that, that got back to face to face at a different pace than we did. Remember, we chose in Gulfport to let that be a choice that second year round. So. And, and we understood it. There was a lot of fear. We didn't know. Parents didn't know. Remember, uh, Ricky, we have an older community that also helps to raise our kids, grandmothers and, and aunts. And that fear of, I don't need to bring this home. So we worked through that. And again, we made some progress. But then that intercession and what we're doing now, we'll get them caught up so that we'll look yeah, yeah. prettier, I guess, going into the future, whatever word we want to use there. Well, listen, I know this for a fact that uh, it doesn't matter who I talk to. It could be from the gaming industry, from the tourism industry, from restaurants to it could be Ingalls. Uh, I mean, the military, every single entity I talk to, one of their biggest challenges is finding employees, qualified employees to come on and work. And hopefully that's eventually going to settle down. How are you guys doing with teachers? So I will tell you that we started the school year with a full staff for the most part. Uh, we were missing a couple of uh, secretary roles, records clerk. But I will tell you that for Gulfport, this was probably our toughest year to make sure that we filled every slot with a quality teacher. Um, and, and I think I can speak for all 11 of us here on the three coastal counties that we've all had that battle of trying to make sure um, that we've got teachers in the classrooms. And the reasons vary. Uh, there's still a lot of a, a fear about COVID and how that's handled. Uh, the number of teachers that are leaving the Institute of Higher Learning and Education, we've been following that trend. We've talked about that before, has been dwindling. Uh, but really for the first year, uh, it was a race up until almost the last minute to make sure every slot was full so we could have a quality teacher for every student. 
Yeah, that's so interesting. You know, it's a. I can't relate to what you guys have to deal with because, for example, when when I was the CEO of a company, whether it was a public company or whether it was a privately owned company, and I had the opportunity to do both, um, I had sometimes some control over bonus structures that I that we were, were willing to pay or. Maybe there was a highly qualified employee that was, you know, sought after, and someone we were being competitive to to get. Uh, I could make adjustments there because at the end of the day, what I owned was a was a bottom line requirement, and I knew what my cost structure was, and I knew what we needed to do, and I had to understand the value of that employee relative to the revenue stream and the cost structure, and I had to deliver. Um, you know, a lot of that's out of your control, so you you have to find ways to attract people that are not pay involved. And how do you do that? How do you do that and be competitive? So I think the first thing is, is you you have a set of building principals who work hard to take care and support teachers once once they arrive. Uh, Ricky, we do have a little bit of a chance through some mentoring programs to offer a a couple of extra dollars, a thousand dollars extra to help to mentor new teachers coming in. So there are some little structures that Gupport and some of our sister school districts are fortunate to have, but it's not the big bonus that you're talking about to get the expert for what you needed to have happen back in in your CEO days. It's about providing an environment where teachers want to teach, they have some autonomy to teach, um, they understand that there's a curriculum, that their skills need to be taught, but you, you let them do what they need to do at the end of the day to teach our children and move forward. Uh, and then you reward them with everything you can. Uh, I had a side stick, uh, teacher laugh at me last week. I sent her a sticker. You know, kids love stickers. Well, I sent her a sticker. At first, she kind of laughed at it. She said, but when I got my sticker, I was excited to choose an adult. So just anything you can do to keep them pumped up and, and, and understand that we appreciate the work that you do. And we're fortunate in Gulfport to have quality teachers and a good support system for them. Yeah, I know the legislature has been really focused on teacher pay, and I watched it closely last year. They, they, they can never do enough, you know, and when you look at it rolled up into one number for the state of Mississippi, it's a gigantic number, and it's just the way it is, and it, and and I, I, I get it that you have to pay a lot more attention on the things that retain teachers that are beyond pay, that are that have to do with work environment and, you know, the people they work with and how you lead them. And we know this well, that a lot of times people, if you leave a job, you didn't leave necessarily because of the pay. You left because you didn't like your boss. That's just kind of a reality. And it puts a little bit more pressure on you guys to tend to those other non-financial pieces, doesn't it? It really does. And also, so you're looking at the Gulfport School District and we have some young principals. And so it's, it's a big difference from being an assistant principal and all of a sudden the buck stops on your desk. So those ladies and gentlemen are trying to juggle learning that new spot as well and also keep the support go going on. So that's one of the issues we have to deal with, just making sure everybody kind of feels like, OK, remember, our goal is to make sure children learn, period. And focus and, on. Yeah, you're always good at bringing it back to that. This is Glenn Ace, the superintendent of Gulfport Schools. When we come back, we're going to find out what else is on his mind these days, see how the school year is going. And, uh, you know, there's always plenty to talk about when I'm visiting with Glenn Ace. We'll see you after this break. Live or on demand and watch episodes of Coast View on your laptop, desktop, or on your phone or tablet by going to supertalkmsgolfcoast.com. 
His love for the coast is why he's here. It's Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome back to Coast View. You know, if you think about the things when Mississippi's rated, I mean, I don't care what it's about. Great place to live. Great economic environment, great place for a, a, a business to come and do business. I don't care what the rating, what the rating or the ranking scenario is. Usually, education is really very near the top. Education is so critical. Um, I think you know in, in Mississippi, there are a few counties that really struggle. Unfortunately, they do, and those those counties ultimately overshadow the reality that some counties are doing better. And uh, some many school districts are doing better. If you could actually isolate those counties and take them out for a number of different rankings, including education, what you would discover is that Mississippi's not doing so well, not doing so so poorly. But the reality is those counties matter, and so they have to be part of the mix. And when you roll up the numbers for Mississippi, we don't always get the best. <clears throat> we don't always get the best ratings on the coast, though. We're lucky. We have great leadership down here. We got good school systems, and we always get a good sense of how how the how you know, life is in the education world when we meet with people like the superintendent of Upward Schools, Glenn East. But but it's true. I mean, the coast is 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 doing pretty well, isn't it, Glenn? It, it really is, Ricky. And, and and again, I think it has to do with we push each other. You know, there are eleven superintendents. There are what. 15 different high schools, and I think those principals put each other to be to be better, not just on the athletic field, but academically, the conversations that we share with each other, the conversations that we share with superintendents and each other, the problem solving that we try to do. It's like there's a one coast, so to speak, in that group of 11 superintendents. So we talk, if not weekly, at least every other two or three days, uh, or two, excuse me, two or three weeks, you're talking to somebody else. You know, Matt, Dylan, and Pedal. Matt, how did you handle this? Uh, Sandra Reed and Bay St. Louis, how, how did you handle this? So we, we talk, and that helps to keep us all, uh, one, grounded, and two, focusing on the kids from state line to state line and, and these three southern counties, and quite frankly, the, the six southern counties uh, in the long run. So it's, it's pretty powerful. It really is. I'll yeah, also we talk throw in the- there on you. We're 35th in the nation now from 50th to 35th with Dr. Wright's exit from the state. Now, that's when they're working on filling that position at this point. But you're talking about education. Those 10 years with her helped the state tremendously. Uh, and the accountability model that we have helped them tremendously to grow the state from 50th to 35th. Yeah, that is that is really, really good news for, for, the, for the state, for sure. You know, when you think about COVID, we talked a little bit about the seventh, eighth, and ninth graders and the process that you're going to go through to get them where they need to be. And it may be a you know a year or two to get them where they need to be. But when you look back on COVID, you learned a lot about your organization. You learned a lot about leadership. You learned a lot about, you know, staying the course and being resilient. But, but okay, so you, you, you bring those learnings into the future. You're, you have the benefit of all of that now. But you don't miss those COVID days, do you? Not one bit. I, I told you before, and I'll say it again today. I think I'd rather deal with a hurricane than I would a COVID-19 pandemic because a hurricane has a final point. You can start rebuilding and doing what you're doing, and this thing just stretches on. And it's, it's still it's today. You know, we still have teachers that are that are positive, and, or, or bus drivers, or custodians. It's with us, and I yeah. definitely go back uh, to the beginning of that that well, March thank- time frame. 
thank goodness the 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 morphing of the, the disease has changed its all overall impact and that the cdc in fact has begun to recognize that and they're you know downgrading their advisories as it relates to what you do to respond and whether you need to quarantine or not and all, all that's true but you know you're right i've i've described it oftentimes during those especially the early days of covid it's like a hurricane hit us but the eye just sat on top of us it didn't it didn't go away and there was all this uncertainty about will it move and you know it will it strengthen or will it weaken and man that just made for a really really challenging and dynamic leadership situation and you know, we're, again, we're resilient in coastal Mississippi. We got through it, but boy, the requirement for educators was enormous, wasn't it, Glenn? It was. Here, go back and think about it. So basically, in 48 hours, we went from face to face education to home education. Uh, trying not to scare parents uh, away, trying to figure out how we can keep the education going. Um, we went from a situation where in our school district, face-to-face is tremendously important to the success of our kids uh and then then you're working on virtual and and we we put in some good plans but if i could roll that tape back three years there are things we learn and, and this learning loss i'm talking about earlier there were things we we, we we can do differently today that we couldn't do when that hit us three years ago so yeah. we would do those differently now, look i don't want to do it again don't get me wrong but we, <laughs> we learned from what we did and things we could probably do better moving forward that which is uh, not kill us makes us stronger in the case of p- the pandemic. There were a lot of challenges, and we learn from those. We get tougher, and we get you know our ability to respond next time gets better because we learn. We learn. That's what's important. What else is on your mind these days, Glenn? I, I, I think that, as, as always, you've you got to realize that our parents, parents have played such a vital role in getting us through COVID. Um, I, I can't think of families that didn't try to help us to the best of their ability to, uh, to to get through the COVID issue. I think that coming out, I think they're seeing where uh, we do have that learning loss and, and those some, some great levels there that we're going to have to work on and continue to work on. I think they understand that. So that power of partnership, and, and you use that word all the time, the partnerships that we have here on the coast, uh, our parents have really stepped up. Uh, I will tell you also, though, that you know, you've got some in the adult world that are just as tired as you and I are about the pandemic and so on. They're trying to get their lives back to normal and back to the workplace and, and do those kind of things. But I just I, I can't say how proud I am of our administrators, our teachers, our students who, who have been so resilient, and then the, the parents from every walk of life in our community that have tried to step up and make sure their children are taken care of. And it hadn't been easy. Um, and I, I think all 11 of us in the three coastal counties would say there are things we learned going forward that, that we could use again and, and hope we don't have to. But I, I'll just I'll close with that simple fact that our parents, the community, they stepped up and tried to make things great for our children. Hey, one of the things that you and I spent a lot of time on in the early days of COSU, even before the pandemic, and we did discuss it to some extent after the pandemic, is you guys did a lot of strategic planning, a lot about you know thinking. That's how that's how the year-round school came about. But do you have time to think about strategy very much? So yes, sir, we're right into that. So if you remember, our strategic plan is a five-year cycle. So guess what? This is the fifth year. So we'll begin that five-year plan here uh, about the middle of November. We'll bring that group of 100 back in. There'll be different faces. There'll be old faces. There'll be old faces, literally, and, and new faces, literally. But uh, And we'll begin that next five-year strategic plan. You have to be able to look out into the future. You can't let the day-to-day details 
the little things that you just slap you in the face that you can't always fix immediately get in the way of that long-term thinking about what we're going to do. I will tell you this, though. So you've got the year-round calendar. You know, we just built the high school, uh, the mind issue, and finally finishing up that. And I heard the other day is, let's just take a rest. Well, I don't know what it's going to look like for this five-year plan. It'll be there. We're going to put some time into it. But it may be more about polishing what we've got going forward. And again, back to that learning loss piece is, it may deal with how we can better catch up students uh, in the wake of a hurricane. You know, things yeah. we've learned from the COVID that can help us in the future. So I think that's the kind of stuff that's gonna come out in this next five-year plan. Uh, of course, they may say we're gonna tear all the buildings down and go virtual total. I don't know what it's gonna look like. That's all up to the community at the end of the day. So we'll begin that process for that five-year review uh, this school term. It's incredibly important. Later in my career, I say that maybe the last 10 or 15 years of my career, I was involved in some really heavy corporate strategic planning efforts and got to work with some of the best uh, consultants in the world. And what you, what you learn a lot about yourself, you do a lot of current process analysis, a lot of, you know, kind of where are we today? And then it's what are the best practices that exist around the world and how can those impact our organization in a positive way? And we begin to develop a vision of what that might be. And then you start to say, okay, what's the gap between where we are now and where we're going? And how do we begin to fill those gaps? And what are the goals that come out of that? I mean, you get a lot of a lot of clarity. I used to say you begin with the end in mind. You try to understand kind of where you headed. And then every decision you make from this point forward, now that you've had the organization around it, is made with that in mind. Is that is, is this decision I'm about to make going to help us reach that goal? If it's not, it may change the way you make decisions. And, and I always believed that a strategic planning process, one of the most important things it does is it creates a common language between you and your administrators and your teachers and your and your principals so that there's a common language about about the decisions we need to make and the actions that we need to take. And um, it makes, you know, when you got a big organization like you have, it makes kind of navigating the future a lot. I, it's never easy, but it makes it, it makes it more doable because people are sort of on the same, you know, uh, roadmap together heading toward that goal. Does that kind of describe what you guys do? It really does. I, I, let me put it as simple as I can. I use this example all the time. As superintendent of the Gulfport School District, I cannot walk in on Monday morning and say, every employee in the district is going to wear a blue shirt. Because the first response to that directive, so to speak, is going to be, how does that help student achievement? How does that help meet our mission of inspiring learners to be problem solvers and, and, and decision makers? So that's where the strategic plan keeps you grounded. Our, we've had ours since 1992. It's a living, breathing document, and we battle through that thing every five years to review the entire five-year process from the time before. Important to us. No, that's, that's awesome to hear that you guys are engaged in it. Great organizations, that's what they do. You have to. And the attention to detail. It's so important when it comes to education. You have to you can't leave a stone unturned. Anyway, Glenn East, Superintendent of Gulfport School, has been a great to catch up with you, my friend. Thank you. Enjoy it. We will see you after this break. A Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. 